Good morning on the West Coast and a great day to you wherever and whenever you may be listening. My name is Jason Dias, broadcasting and podcasting live from the studio of EloquentOnline.net in beautiful New Braunfels, Texas, Republic thereof. This is a special broadcast of The Power of Performance, the show that asks the question, if your brand were a band, would you? Leave the audience wanting more. And today, for someone like me who absolutely geeks out on demography and uh, trends in the way Americans are moving around the country, the use of social media for political advocacy, and of course, um, the competition between two very, very different marketplaces, specifically in this case, the uh, community banks of America and the credit union marketplace. This is just tailor-made for me and uh, something that I could not wait to talk about. Today on the show, we're going to be joined by Michael Emancipator with the Independent Community Bankers Association. Let me tell you a little about ICBA. Um, Folks, They're the only trade organization in America that is specifically there to represent the unique needs of America's community banks. And the stats on America's community banks are pretty impressive, by the way. 50,000 locations nationwide. Community banks... Now, that's not Bank of America. That's not Wells Fargo. That's not Chase. Uh, and this is what the credit unions try to do a lot of the times is paint all banks in those lights. Uh, you know, the Wells, we used to do the Wells Fargo update here uh, when Wells Fargo was having all of its trouble. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about community banks, 50,000 locations nationwide. About 99% of all the banks in America are community banks, which employ over 750,000 Americans. And in some places, they're the only place you can go and open an account. If you're in, what do they call it now, ex-urban? We used to call that the country, all right, out in the country. Or you used to call bucolic or rural or out there where you don't find a Whole Foods or maybe even a Target or a Walmart. But uh, as you'll hear Michael say, you know, when we, when we as Westerners set up our towns, you know, it's a house and a church and a store and a Bank. These community banks are absolutely necessary to the fabric of a community, both on the personal and the commercial side, the business side of the marketplaces. Community banks have over $5 trillion in assets, uh, nearly $4 trillion in deposits, and have about $3.4 trillion in loans to consumers, small businesses, the agricultural community. If you're a farmer out in Iowa or Nebraska or somebody who grows cotton out in West Texas, uh, go try to get an agricultural loan from your local credit union and let me know how that goes because you won't be able to get one. Um, The the credit union advocacy is trying to paint all banks as Wall Street when in reality the ICBA literally represents – the community banks that you will find on Main Street in neighborhoods doing things. And again, as I said in my show a few weeks ago, our most listened to show of the year, by the way, banks are not bad. Banks are 
people. They're not just bricks and mortar. There are American citizens that get up and go to work each and every day at these banks, and very few of them get up to say, hey, how can I be greedy today? How can I take away someone's property today? They go to work every day and do their absolute best to meet the banking needs of a very, very rapidly changing banking marketplace and banking public. And so if you want to find out more about ICBA, we're going to have their link right down there in the episode description. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Like I said, this is just the stuff I love to talk about, history. You know, I'm not a, I'm not a, I don't have a degree in accounting. I have a degree in history. I'm fascinated by history. I'm fascinated by what people will be talking about in 2030 when they look back as we go into 2020. What were the things that we were talking about in the business world, in the banking marketplace? What are the things that were really relevant to people in that banking discipline? And to be perfectly honest, as someone who spoke at over 400 credit union events, spoke to over 250,000 credit union professionals at conferences and keynote events and seminars all over the country, Canada, Mexico, and Rome. I've seen this from the inside. I've seen in 20 years, not only how the business of credit unions has changed, but the tenor has changed. There was no reason for this to get so nasty and political. There was no reason for this to be a situation where, because, you know, I asked the question, you know, my my mother is a member of a credit union and the customer of a bank. Is she half bad? You know, banks are not bad. And when I did that show, Banks Are Not Bad, and played that that political ad, you couldn't call it anything else, from the Iowa Credit Union League saying that banks wanted to kill competition. Let that sink in for a minute. That banks want to go out like the bank grows arms and legs and it comes together like one of those transformers and walks around stomping down on the poor little defenseless credit unions uh, in, in Iowa. That was, there was no reason for that. And it, it speaks to what I, and, and when I saw that, I, I remember asking, well, where are, where are the banks in all of this? Where is their response? Well, um, the wake up campaign is the response. And so we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk to Michael and we're going to do it all right after this. Hey, this is Jason. This is conference quality information without the $9 light beer, the TSA shakedown, the rubber chicken dinner, and the expense report. This is the power of performance. That's right. Big money does go around the world, and it's a big, big deal that we're talking about here. So I'm minding my own business, perusing the social media feed a few few weeks back, and I see this thing that says, let's wake up Washington to the credit union threat. And I thought, hmm, 
interesting counterpoint. Let me check this out. And so uh, I went and looked at it uh, online at uh, what the ICBA is saying, the risky practices, the costly tax subsidies, and the lax oversight of the nation's credit unions are not fair when you look at it in the totality of the banking marketplace. And so they've launched a nationwide campaign calling on policymakers and the public to open their eyes. I love that, taking CUNA's silly little campaign to the threats posed by these tax-exempt financial firms. And sorry, CUNA, you should have trademarked that, but you couldn't because Oculus was already using it when your guys decided not to find that out for yourselves. Anyway, I digress. ICBA's wake-up campaign will feature legislative and regulatory proposals, comprehensive research, grassroots advocacy campaigns, and customizable resources to run the clock out on the credit union's $2 billion, with a B, annual tax Subsidy. The first thing I wanted to talk to Michael about, Michael Emancipator is joining us. I said, you know, I first heard about this, uh, not in a newspaper, not in a newsletter, not on the radio, but on social media. And I think that's where a lot of this grassroots effort and effectiveness is going to take place. And I asked him what he thought about that. News sources of media beyond just a you know, typical newsletter, I think people are tapped into a whole bunch of different sources to, to get their news and uh, to learn and, and keep apprised of developments in, in their own industries. I was recently up in Clarksville, Tennessee, doing a smart business seminar and talked about something that I refer to as hyper locality, that most of us get the essentials, the things that we need food, um, where we go to church, where we go to, to put our money is, is local. We, if we don't wake up in the morning in New Braunfels, Texas and say, I'm going to open up a new bank account today and I'm going to drive to Seattle, Washington to do it. Now, of course, you can do all that stuff online, but most of us want to have a local connection to our money. We've been doing that as Americans since we established this entire American experience. And I asked Michael about that as well. I mean, like you said, a lot of folks, when they move to a new community, the first thing that they do is they set up a few basic staples. Where are you going to shop? Where are you going to you know, go to church? But then also, what, where's your financial institution? What's your bank going to be? What's it going to look like? And for a lot of Americans, it's very important that their financial institution has both ties and a relationship with them so that they know it's something that they can trust at the end of the day. A lot of times, I think folks like to have a face-to-face encounter with their banker, uh, just like they do with all their other routine uh, activities in their community. So it's certainly something that I think ICBA member community banks are proud to provide, and it's certainly something I think the communities are happy to have them exist in their community. Now, to be fair, there was a time in America where not everyone had access to the same banking options. And I know from personal experience, my grandparents worked in the textile mills up in Fall River, Massachusetts. And in those days, yes, uh, people would segregate themselves into certain types of industries. And yes, even into certain types of ethnic groups in Fall River, Massachusetts. And in those particular mills, they got together and formed this little credit union. And that was great. It was for people that did didn't have a lot of money, that didn't have a lot of access, maybe had some uh, lingering mistrust of banking institutions from the countries that they had come from. And so the credit union model worked in the 1930s. You know, the, the credit union model worked in that particular historical 
era. But what we've seen since then is a rapidly changing, aggressive, growth-oriented kind of credit union. These multi-billion-dollar credit unions. Credit unions were never supposed to have Super Bowl ads and things like that, and yet that's where we are. But I think one of the most alarming trends that I've seen is this thing where credit unions are actually going out there and purchasing community banks. I do not understand how a not-for-profit can purchase a for-profit business and then say, hey, we're still not-for-profit. And so I asked Michael about the history of credit unions and this disturbing trend of community bank acquisitions by credit unions. I think if you look at the genesis of the credit union movement, it was to serve people of modest means, and they really originated by close-knit individuals, groups of individuals that wanted to kind of help each other, help themselves. And that was really the foundation of the credit unions back in the 1930s with the Federal Credit Union Act. And there was, I think, a lot of pride around that. Over the, in particular, the last couple of decades and especially the last several years, we have seen an outgrowth of of a certain class of credit unions that have completely turned their back on the origination of the credit union movement and they look nothing like their more traditional tried-and-true credit unions. And, and I think you're seeing a huge bifurcation in the credit union industry of those, and, and let me be clear, there are a majority of credit unions that are still abiding by their mission and are very mission-oriented and are very staunchly trying to support and develop deeper relationships with their members, juxtaposed against a subset of credit unions that are really more focused on growth than they're focused on their members. And they're focused on growth by, by uh, eroding field of membership protections. They're focused on growth by expanding into areas that are well beyond anything that would, uh, at least for community charter credit unions, well beyond geographically something that would have a close-knit community feel to it. Um, and, and now this most latest, the most latest trend, which is, the most alarming is the fact that you're seeing all these credit unions, the growth-oriented credit unions, acquiring community banks. Uh, and so ICBA, as you might be aware, has been ringing the bell and ringing the alarm for a while now in terms of the growing disparities of regulatory treatment and just environment that community, uh, that community banks are on an unlevel playing field when compared to credit unions. And this latest trend is the, the alarm is just deafening now, and that, that really why is, is why we've come up with the Wake Up campaign. And so Congress can actually wake up. This alarm is getting to a huge level, and they need to take action before it's too late. And that's what an alarm is supposed to do, is to alert the audience, to alert the community and the public to something that's wrong. And, that, and that's what's going on right now. Michael Emancipator is the Regulatory Counsel and Vice President at ICBA. There is a link to his contact information and his Main Street Matters blog post that was on the 29th of October there in the episode description. So, you know, wake up, wake up Congress, wake up the public. I believe, you know, and I'll say this very candidly, it's going to take more than one podcast. It's going to take more than one hashtag or any kind of social media video. This has got to get to where the people, the customers of banks get to know about it. I can tell you from personal experience in the credit union marketplace, it is an echo chamber talking to themselves about these things. For the wake up campaign to be successful, it is going to take 
everything, advocacy, marketing, branding. It is really time to let folks know that there are big, gigantic, multi-billion dollar credit unions out there that are operating without a lot of the same regulatory constraints that are placed on banks. And it is interesting that in the leadership of credit unions, they're pretty uniform in their support against the banks. But at the mid-level, you heard Michael talk about the bifurcation in the credit union marketplace. I can tell you that is absolutely true. The $15 billion credit union has nothing in common with the $500 million credit union that's trying to do its best to offer banking services and loans to its member Owners, But this trend, this trend where credit unions are purchasing banks, I don't recall uh, if the YMCA is not for profit, but I think it is. I don't recall them purchasing a gold's gym anywhere in America. There is something wrong with that from a perception standpoint, and I think that really had to be one of the triggers that got the ICBA revved up to do this. Well, I believe in giving everyone uh, a fair voice. Uh, I, like I said, I have the right to select Apple or Android, Pepsi or Coke, and I believe uh, the banks are right in this particular case. I do believe that the historical need for credit unions that actually precipitated the creation of credit unions with the Legislative Act back in the 1930s, that history does not exist anymore. And I think for, you know, I'm a totally, total believer in laissez-faire free market capitalism, but we have always placed certain limitations on monopolies and had regulations to make sure that that, you know, I hate to use the level playing field because I don't like using cliches on the air, but you know what I mean by that. But I do believe things have gotten out of balance when it comes to community banks and credit unions. And of course, we're not talking about, again, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, Chase, or even Navy, Federal Credit Union. We're talking about those community banks that you find in every town, in every city, in every suburb from sea to shining sea. Uh, Once again, check out all the links there in the episode description. Um, If you are in a community bank, this is important. Share it on your own personal social media feeds. Do your part. This is an amazing social media marketplace that we have here. It is the best place to really generate enthusiasm for this kind of campaign, and people do need to wake up. Don't hit the snooze on that alarm. It's time to wake up, get Congress involved, and let folks know that there are some things going on in the banking marketplace that are, if they're not fair to the banks, then they're not fair to the customers that are served by the banks and the employees, for that matter. Hey, listen, uh, this has been a special edition of the Power Performance. We do like to go off topic sometimes because this this does have something to do with performance. When you're trying to put on your best live performance, you, you want to know that it's fair, that you're that you are dealing with a circumstance that is that is fair. And I believe the ICBA is really onto something here. And I'm hoping we can continue to do podcasts like this to support the wake up campaign. Hey listen, my name is Jason Dias and until next we speak, I'll talk to you next time.